Hello and welcome to today's Unpacked Short. Today we're talking about space, which I think is rather magical. But Peter Franklin, who I'm joined by, disagrees with me. We'll come on to that. I'm also, though, and delighted to say, we're joined by Nigel Cameron, our editor of our technology theme here at Unheard. Welcome, Nigel. Good to be here. So, the piece we are unpacking further today is entitled Why We Need a Moratorium on Manned Spaceflight, which sounds terribly negative, Peter. Well, um, I think it's quite a good case. Um, We've heard only, I think, only this weekend, um, Donald Trump saying we're going to go to Mars real soon. Um, We can probably take anything Donald Trump says with a pinch of salt, though, right? uh, Well, yes, but the trouble is this is one space race that could easily get going. And I'm saying that it would be an appalling waste of resources and that contrary to all of um, what we've seen from Elon Musk and Richard Branson and other sort of commercial space explorers, we're not, in fact, on the cusp of a new age of manned space flights. Um, Apollo was 50 years ago, and I don't think it will um, be uh, exceeded in terms of achievement anytime soon. And and just briefly before we go on to why it might be a good idea, in fact, contrary to Peter's uh, position, um, just explain to us the distinction between the space tourism business, which is, I believe, the kind of, you know, let's just get on the equivalent of an aeroplane, which obviously is much more advanced, etc. But, you know, we'll visit space versus the sort of thing that Elon Musk is doing. Okay, well, most of these space tourism uh, businesses, um, they're focusing at least in the initial stages on what's called suborbital spaceflight, where you go up, but then you quickly come back down again and you never achieve the velocity required to go into orbit, which is actually proper space flights, right? Um, The big exception to that amongst the commercial companies so far is Elon Musk and his SpaceX initiative and his Falcon Heavy rocket, which puts one of his cars into, well, not just into orbit, but on a path for Mars um, only last month. So that's an exception in terms of um, the pride, but of course, that's not manned so far. So there's a bit of a difference there. Okay. But Peter, I feel you're being a bit Eeyore-esque about this. So I feel you're being a bit negative, a bit of a cynic, perhaps. So Nigel, I'm hoping you might come down more on my side of the argument, which is that, I mean, surely this is the very kind of, this is what humans are about, discovery and exploring. And who knows what we might discover if we, if we you know, kind of plumb new depths. Well, I mean, I, I listen to what Peter is saying. Basically, <clears throat> he has won the argument for nearly 50 years. We've had nearly 50 years of Peter's moratorium. And where's it got us? It's basically got us precisely nowhere. And now is the time, I think, to move ahead rather than behind. And so I'm just delighted that Elon Musk has this vision. You know, his, his great little one-liner, I want to die on Mars, but not on impact. You can buy a T-shirt saying that from the Musk organization. Neither and do you have one of those T-shirts? You know, I do not. Oh. I, mean, I, I, feel, I mean, I feel undressed without one here today, but of course we're not on TV, so nobody knows. Um, and of course now Donald Trump, who basically jumps on every bandwagon he sees passing, um, it's a cost a lot of money. What's interesting, though, is the Indians sent a spacecraft to Mars a year or so ago, um, and it only cost them $74 million. 
Indians are pretty good at doing things on the cheap. A little bit of help from the US in tracking, but it was an Indian project. And they and they hit Mars. I mean, they got all the way there. Um, so I don't exaggerate the costs involved and don't exaggerate the, the high tech you need to do it. It's obviously risky, but it can be done. And the Indians did it for 74 million. So, Peter, I mean, is the, you know, just, just putting on your optimism hat for the moment, uh, is there any benefits from what Elon Musk is trying to do? Well, certainly in terms of reusing parts of a rocket. You know, imagine if every time we got on aboard an aeroplane, you had to chunk the aeroplane at the end of the trip, right? It would rather put a crimp in the economics, right? Um, so uh, we saw the, this amazing footage of the um, the booster rockets being recovered um, and, you know, actually landing as if um, in, in a sort of synchronised dis- display was really quite impressive. Now, that's interesting. But, you know, I don't want to be too Eeyore-ish. I think unmanned space flights has got an awful lot to recommend it. Um, we're, we're achieving all sorts of good things. And I don't think I have won the last 50 years on manned space flight because there's been all sorts of dead-end programs like the Space Shuttle, like the International Space Station, which have wasted resources, which if we'd put them into unmanned, more unmanned probes, like the Mars rover, etc., would have achieved a lot more. And now there's a real risk that um, Xi Jinping, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, Donald um, Trump will get into a ridiculous willy-waving contest and and we're going to sort of um, launch a, a race to Mars. Absolutely ridiculous. All that it will cost tens of billions and if that was put into unmanned space or exploration we could discover and achieve so much more although perhaps that's one race we wouldn't mind them getting involved in as opposed to some other uh antics they could be getting up to but well, if they were all on board i'd be on board <laughs> for it okay so we're, we're, we're sending them all into space but i mean nigel i did want to ask you so th- there is i mean it does strike me that space exploration which kind of by definition is very unknown is it safe, is it okay, that that is in the hands of private companies? Well, the private companies uh, in the US, they've been contracted by NASA, uh, by public authorities. And, and of course, I mean, most of the probes being sent up, um, it's a combination of public and private, a lot of private satellites and so on going up. I mean, the, the money's moving across both ways. It's public-private. Um, the most significant thing, and this is one reason why Peter is fundamentally wrong in not wanting a space race, is it's only if you have a race that anybody gets into the game at all. The I most, think that sort of definition is competition, isn't it? It is competition. I mean, the most interesting thing about, about, the, about the moonshot, which is the classic case here we're talking about, uh, was, of course, it was all sparked by competition with the Soviets and concerns, you know, about the fact they were out there first and uh, the military components and so on. And at one point, in 1967, the United States, and this is an extraordinary number, spent almost 5% of the entire federal budget on the moonshot. It spent like 4.6, 4.7%. It's about a tenth of that now. It's only if you have competition that democratic leaders particularly are prepared to put anything into the game at all because, of course, they're all having elections in two years' time and four years' time. And the moonshot was extraordinary. It was almost a decade of bipartisan commitment to an enormous project. It's only going to happen with competition. The second, second comment to make is, I mean, you know, I write about technology, and my whole point about technology, it's about the human spirit. 
And I want the 21st century to be about the triumph of the human spirit using technology so that we end up, end of the century, with humans having been more human and done more human things. And surely that involves putting us on Mars, putting us on asteroids, maybe putting us on further planets before the century ends. This is what the human spirit's all about. And I'm all for humans. Well, the spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak, especially when exposed to the vacuum of space, to radiation, to sub-zero temperatures on Mars. These, these places, they're, they're not any sort of home for humanity in the foreseeable future, and we do much better investing on, in, in, in our own planet, which is a lot closer and much easier to get to. Okay, well, I feel it's slightly less magical and, you know, sli- sli- slightly less about the kind of inspiring stories of what humankind can achieve but i also understand where you're coming from peter so can i thank you both nigel and peter for joining me today um for some actually you know quite sort of heated discussion if i might say certainly a lot of disagreement there um not quite fisticuffs but but not far off um thank you also all of you for listening and thank you to james for producing this podcast um please do join us for the next one